receive light and understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'll be sharing on the lessons of forgiveness. And I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 30. Matthew 18, 23 to 30. But before I read, I would like to ask a question. Have you ever been so hot or offended and you badly wanted to get back at the person? Like, have you been like so offended, so annoyed at someone and you felt the need to retaliate? While we ponder on that question, let's turn our Bible to Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 to 30. Okay, so um, it reads that the lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. The lessons of forgiveness in heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. There once was a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owed him $1 billion. So he summoned the servants before him and said to him, pay me what you owe me. When the servant was unable to repay his debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payments towards his debt. The servant threw himself face down at his master's feet and begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me more time and I'll repay you all that I owe. Upon hearing his pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him and forgave his entire debt. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owed him $20,000. He seized him by the truth and began to choke him, saying, You'd better pay me right now everything you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet and begged, Please be patient with me. If you just give me time, I'll repay you all that is owed. But the one who had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid his debt in full. So um, what exactly is forgiveness? What does it mean when we say forgiveness? Forgiveness involves a decision to let go of resentment and thought of revenge. The dictionary defines forgiveness as an action of forgiving. That is, it is an action word, a verb. It is like, it's a doing thing, like forgiving. It's an action of forgiving. Forgiveness is an action of forgiving. And what does it mean to forgive? To forgive is to pardon. That is to waive any negative feeling or desire to punish or retribute. So what hurts you and what offended you might always be with you, but forgiveness can lessen its grip on you and help free you from the control of the person or thing that hurts you. When something is done against us, when we feel offended, if we're not careful, it, that event, that thing that was done against us has a level of hold over us. And when something has a hold over us, it controls our actions, it controls how we feel, it controls our emotions. And um, forgiveness does not mean we condone the wrong that is done against us. It simply means we have made peace with what happened and we choose to move past it. I asked the question earlier before I read the um, Bible passage. Um, I asked if we've ever been so hurt by a person that we simply wanted to hurt the person in return. What we need to understand is that 
we are humans and it's human nature to want to lash out and hurt someone that has wronged us. It says that to her is human, but what we forget sometimes is that desire revenge is also human. Sometimes we are all who are offended and, you know, the um, um, emotional side of us, like we want to lash out, we want to hurt the person as much as they have hurt us. So to not only to her is human, but to also desire revenge is human. But like the saying goes, to forgive is divine. So we need to understand that what the desire to lash out, the desire to revenge does not make us any less children of God. It's just human nature. But um, when I was growing up, I know a lot of people can relate to this. We were often told that forgive and forget. <laughs> but then I used to think within myself, forget. When it's not like I suffered memory loss or amnesia, like I can't forget it happened. So what do you mean that I should forget? So to forget is to choose to not to dwell on the offense and to choose not to hold a dangling carrot of resentment over the head of the person who offended you. So to forget is not that, oh, to feel like that thing never happened or to not remember what happened, but rather it's like you've made peace with that, what happened, like the events that happened that cost you hurt. You've made peace with it and you've decided within yourself that you want to move past it. So you won't hold on to resentment against the person that offended you. So it's not like, oh, you didn't remember what happened at all. But whenever you remember it, it doesn't have any hold over you anymore. So you no longer nurse the desire to retaliate or get back at the person. We sometimes think that forgiving is pretending as if the offense never occurred. No, <laughs> we can't pretend away hurts or wish things that wish wish away things that cost us pain. What pretending does most times is that it will suppress the emotion, you know, suppress our anger. And these things will most likely lead to bitterness, you know, feelings of um, annoyance and vengeful behavior. For instance, when, um, you know, at work, your colleague offends you and you're like, okay, because I'm a forgiving person, it never happened. I won't even think about it. Another time it happens, you're like, I won't think about it. Not addressing these issues will only, you know, suppress your emotion. And the day you would erupt, like you would just flare up, like, what is it? You've been doing it. And then things would, would be way more out of hand than if you had addressed it when it was just an event and not a multiple, and not multiple events. So we can't wish away, oh, that what happened? I don't want to think about it. Or this person asked me, but because I'm forgiving, I won't address it. So there is need for us to address our feelings and emotions so they do not end up controlling us. What offenses does is that it builds a prison of unforgiveness if we don't address it. When someone offends us today, another person offends us tomorrow, and we never bother talk, talking about it, we don't think about it, we don't address it within ourselves. It will just be, um, build within us a prison of unforgiveness. And we'll just keep walking you know, around with hunger, vengeful behavior, and you know, hurt within us. So why is it important for us to forgive? Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, on why it is important for us to forgive. Matthew 6, verse 12. And it reads that, and forgive us our debts as we are forgiving our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. So I ask, can we receive the um, gift of forgiveness from God and yet we told that same gift from others? We will pray, for, Father, forgive us our debts. Father, forgive me my wrong, forgive me my sins. And yet, a fellow human being will offend us and we won't even be able to work in forgiveness with that person. 
it's important to forgive because as Christians, we aspire to be Christ-like. And Jesus forgave us even when we were yet sinners. So also we should forgive others, whether they are sorry or not. We shouldn't say, oh, because this person has not apologized, I'm not going to forgive you until you say sorry. Yes, it's good for people to apologize. It's good to you know, say sorry. But while we, the other person should work on themselves and learn to say sorry, we should also work on ourselves and learn to forgive whether or not we receive any sorry for offenses committed against us. I know it can be easier said than done that, ah, okay, this person offended me without apologizing, I forgive the person. Well then, that is why forgiveness is divine. So we need God's help in forgiving offenses, basically, because I remember a situation that happened to me some time ago, you know, I was saving up for an exam, a professional exam then, back then. I was saving up, you know, trying to gather the money was quite some money then, and that saved more than half of the money. And a friend of mine, very close friend of mine came to me and like, you know, this sub story that our friends are prone to giving us like, oh, I need your help. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. That. Please, I really need you to come through for me because he had a daughter then and he needed money, you know, to sort some bills and all that. In fact, he drew out a plan for me on how he was going to repay the money back. And I was like, no problem. A friend in need is a friend indeed, you know? And then I gave the money to him. Shortly after, you know, he stopped returning my calls. Exam is approaching. I need this money. He stopped, you know, saying anything about it. When I talked to him about it, he kind of shut it up, promising to pay. And then over time, he stopped speaking my call. And I felt like I was trying to be a good friend to you. Even if you can't repay this money, why not, you know, let me know. Let's discuss it and find a way around it rather than shutting me out and not even returning my calls. After a while, I, you know, gathered money, wrote the exam. In fact, I'd almost forgotten that I wrote an exam when this guy called me up. And he was like, eh, terrible about that money. I was like, do you have my money? He said, no, I'm like, until you have my money, I don't want to see anything from you. Because I was hungry. I felt wronged. I felt hurt that this is someone I came through for. And this person treated me like this. For a few years, the person, you know, once in a while, the person will reach out and I'll be like, do you have the money? If you don't have the money, don't talk to me. And I kept going like that. I felt justified, like he did it and all that. So one time I felt like God was leading me on a journey of forgiveness. Like I needed to learn how to forgive because it was becoming an issue for me. And, you know, while God was taking me on that journey, this guy called me one time and he was like, hello, Taiwo. I know it's been a while, you know, about that money. I was like, don't worry about it. It's all forgotten and forgiven. And his reaction was like, wow. This is not the time I used to know. <laughs> and it just, within me, I felt good and I gave glory to God. Like I was able to, you know, walk this journey and come out a better person. That I was able to forgive an offense, even though this person has not, yeah, the person apologized, but it didn't come through for me the way I expected him to come through for me. So sometimes you have to, you know, let go of offenses and forgive whether the person apologizes or not whether the person acts right or not because forgiveness is for us another reason why it's important for us to forgive is that forgiving offenses it helps us maintain peace and unity in relationships whether amongst family members whether amongst colleagues friends and the likes let's look at Ephesians 4 verse 27 Ephesians 4 verse 27 
Um, it says, and do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or abhorring resentment or cultivating bitterness. What the scripture shine says that the devil tries to manipulate us and steal our peace. You know, we might just finish from service, power pack service, spirit moving service, where we feel blessed, our joy is in place, we are feeling peace and all that. And then on our way back home, a reckless driver cuts in, across our car, cuts in front of us and, you know, driving recklessly. And we're like, ah, go punish you. You know, those reflex words that some people are prone to saying, like, go punish you. Look at this nonsense man. Look at this mad man, you know, saying all sorts of things. And then we realized that the feeling of joy we were having disappeared. It's like the devil knows when, ah, okay, this person is almost in tune with God, or this person is in tune with God, and this person is at peace. I need to disrupt your peace. And then it is that moment that something will just happen to, you know, annoy you. And you'll be like, uh-uh, you know, but things will always come up that would want to steal our joy, that want to steal our peace. That is the devil's way of trying to manipulate us. So it is left for us to decide how that we will rise above it by working in forgiveness. We can't always, you know, control the situation or circumstances of what happens to steal our joy, but we can always control how we respond to it. We, are we going to let offenses steal our joy? Are we going to allow it to affect our peace? We need to, you know, be careful and to watch what we allow offenses do to us. Another reason why it's important for us to forgive is forgiveness is not for other people. <laughs> when you forgive, it's not something you are doing for the other person. It's something we do for ourselves. When working on forgiveness, it robs, of, it robs us of a compassionate heart. It leaves us trapped in a cell of bitterness, serving time for a sin, a crime, or a sin that someone else committed. You know, when someone offends us and we hold on to that anger, we hold on to bitterness, most cases, the person doesn't even know that you're angry or you are. person is just doing their own. person is, you know, living life. And you, you're here, you know, thinking about it, ruminating on it, getting hungry all over again. Unforgiveness is like slowly poisoning yourself and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> like, for example, imagine a rat in someone's house eats the person's certificate, especially the part where the, uh, the certificate carries the name. And, you know, because you can't get at the rat, you can't even find the rat that ate it. You now said at, at all costs, you want to get back at that rat. And you decide to drink rat poison, expecting that rat to die. Brothers and sisters, is that not stupid? <laughs> I mean, taking, you know, when you hold on to anger and you decide not to forgive, it just, within you, it releases bitterness. You become angry, you become, you know, you have vengeful behavior. And... The other person is just living their life. You're the one that is sentenced to a prison of bitterness, hate, and all that. And even medically, um, when you remember someone who has offended you and you've not forgiven something that has annoyed you, some, something that has offended you, when you remember that, it releases adrenaline in your system. And adrenaline is a fight or flight hormone that is released in response to a stressful, exciting, dangerous, or threatening situation. And excess adrenaline in our body system leads to hypertension or high blood pressure. So an unforgiving person who withholds forgiveness from everyone <laughs> medically is liable to die young. So when you withhold forgiveness, you're always hungry because 
people always offend you and because you're not forgiving you're always angry you're always you know adrenaline is always pumping in your system because by the time you start remembering these people it just releases adrenaline in your system so when you have excess of this in your system you are liable to die young and when we look at it this way spiritually forgiveness is the best medically forgiveness is advised even physically you realize that when you work in forgiveness, you just be glowing differently. You won't even need skincare. So why is it important for us to forgive? Another point is that it's important for us to forgive because unforgiveness ruins our relationship with other people. When we're offended by Mr. A and we refuse to forgive, it can affect our relationship with Mr. B. And we begin to, you know, not only transfer aggression, but we transfer baggage of unforgiveness from one relationship to another. And it destroys our relationship. And we're just wondering, what's going on? I did it all right. But that unforgiveness that you're uh, exhibiting towards one person, you don't know how it is affecting other areas of your life. When you withhold forgiveness, for example, from your spouse, it can affect your relationship with your children. So also, you know, as children, our parents will offend us and we withhold forgiveness from them. Yes, we have our own children. So what are we teaching our children? Because as humans, we will be prone to make mistakes. So when you do something that your children does not like or you offend your children, should they also withhold forgiveness from you? Of course not. So we'll also be looking at action points that will help us work in forgiveness. Because forgiveness should not just be an abstract concept for us. We are humans and even amongst Christians, you know, there'll be offenses. So we need to make forgiveness a way of life. So what are the things we can do, you know, to make sure that we're working in forgiveness towards other people? One, we need to understand that God loves the other person also. <laughs> you know, we are, some people are like, when you offend me, God punish my enemies. God fight my battles. And when we say God fight my battles, some of us, what we really mean is God annihilate this person. Like God should just totally destroy the person that offended us. But we have a way of forgetting that. The person that ought us is also loved by God. Jesus died for this person also. I was praying that God, all my enemies, die by fire. Really, if everybody dies by fire, what are the people that will, you know, inherit the kingdom of God? And because I offended you does not mean God will gang up with you to, you know, destroy me. Or if someone offended you and you're like, God, this person, God won't gang up with you. Some people say God is not your family member. It won't end up with you to, you know, discipline or annihilate someone else. Every single person you see is either a child of God or a potential child of God whose sins have been forgiven and paid for on the cross. Jesus has died for everybody, believer or unbeliever. So because an unbeliever has not, you know, come to this realization and come to accept Christ, does not mean whatever they do to we believers, God is going to just kill them and strike them dead. Everyone is a creator of God. And as God's creation, God will not just kill them because the offended is child. It doesn't work like that. So when we face offense from a person, we need to have the understanding that God loves this person. And when we look at people, we now look at them from the lens of God's love, not the lens of that offense they commit committed. So to help us work in love with others, we need to be more empathetic, you know, try and put ourselves in their situation, empathize with the person. When we do this, we'll be slow to anger. And even when we feel offended, we won't take it too personally. We'll try and understand that, oh, okay, he's not this person. He's just 
it just happened like that. Let's look at John, first John chapter four, verse nine to 10. First John four, nine to 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Let's also look at Romans chapter five, verse eight. Romans five, verse eight. But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the act that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this just goes to buttress the point that even sinners, they, they've, they, they've been forgiven. And because they've not come to that realization that, oh, the gift of forgiveness has been extended towards them does not mean, oh, when they offend we believers, bad things will happen to them automatically. No, because we have that understanding that, oh, God loves this unbeliever also that has offended me. We pray for them, we empathize with them. So how much more a believer when we're offended by fellow believers? How are we going to address that issue? If all our prayer point is God, uh, everybody that offended me, let them die by fire. So another action point, you know, to help us work in, in working in forgiveness is to be more understanding. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says that an understanding person demonstrates patience for mercy means holding your tongue when you are insulted. Be quick to forgive and forget for you are virtuous when you overlook an offense. And um, being more understanding, when you say, oh, be more understanding, you know, if your spouse gets back from work and is all snappy, short of temper, and this is not how he's, how he is on a normal day. He's loving, he's caring, and, but today he's just shouting at the slightest provocation, he's ranting. And, you know, as the wife, you'll be like, okay, it's not everything we respond to fire for fire. You need to, you know, understand where this person is coming from. Like, okay, maybe he had a bad day at work. Maybe a reckless driver annoyed him on the road. Yeah, I don't subscribe to transfer aggression. But sometimes, you know, I keep saying as humans, we are prone to doing some things that we shouldn't normally do. It's not left to the other person, you know, to cut us some slack. Like, okay, let's, you know, make excuses for this person. And then when the person is calm, you, you discuss it with the person like, ah, funny what you did the other time or how you spoke to me. But like you're about to say, when one is the goat, the other should be a sheep. So when your husband is, you know, pardon me, exhi um, exhibiting attributes of a goat, being stubborn, being snappy and all that, you, on the other hand, exhibit the attributes of a sheep, you know, try and be more understanding, give them, cut them some slack. So being more understanding though, does not mean that we shouldn't have boundaries or allow other people to walk all over us, no. Trying to be more understanding just implies that we should, you know, see things from the other person's perspective. Try and understand where they are coming from. Try and, trying to put ourselves in their shoes. Another action point is for us to walk in love. John chapter 13 verse 35 says, For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. So when you walk in love with those who have offended you, 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 you know, you pray for them. You find out that it's easy for you to forgive someone who you pray for, who you are working in love with. Another thing to help us, you know, work in forgiveness is to speak up in wisdom. 
like I said, being understanding does not mean we shouldn't have boundaries. So we, we need wisdom to know what to say, where we need to speak up, how to say it. I want to know that silence is the best course of action. And knowing what to say or knowing how to say it is not just the key thing. The key thing is, you know, having the strength of mind to follow that, um, to follow what we know to be wise. And sometimes offenses are not intentional and they are just a result of misunderstanding. So, you know, mature communication in some cases will just clear up the misunderstanding. So when we speak up, we should, you know, not to speak up in wisdom. Another action point is don't expect apology from the other person. It takes strength of character to forgive a person who is, who is never sorry. And some people find it difficult to forgive because no one has apologized or even acknowledged that they suffered any unfair treatment. We shouldn't wait on people to you know, apologize before we decide to work in for forgiveness. We need to get to that point where even in the face of offenses, we retain our peace and we are like, no, I forgive you. So even when the other person comes back to apologize, it's just going to be icing on the cake. And finally, what one more action point for us to, you know, work on when we're working in this journey of forgiveness is not to keep account of wrongs done to us. When Peter went to Jesus, you know, in Matthew 18, 21 to 22, and he was asking that, how many times should he forgive? Seven times. Jesus answered, it, answered him and said, I tell you, you must forgive them more than seven times. You must continue to forgive them, even if they do you wrong. 77 times. This scripture does not say, oh, that we should be keeping account of wrongs done to us. So like, okay, you offended me, number one. You offended me, number two. You called the person, you know, three hours ago, it was your 20th time of offending me. No. I'm sure Jesus was trying to say, oh, instead of keeping count of how many times you've been offended, rather lose count. Treat each offense like a fresh one. Don't say, oh, you offended me yesterday. Now you're offending me today. No. Some people are experts in fake forgiveness. They'll be saying, hey, I forgave you yesterday. Now you have done it again today. No, we need to, you know, not keep account of wrongs done to us, not even hold it against the person. And the thing is, when we keep count of other people's wrong, it will just make it all the more harder for us to forgive. And when you don't let go of offenses, when you hold on tight to what someone has done to you, you know, when you walk in hatred, when you walk in bitterness, you can't walk in forgiveness. And today's another opportunity, you know, for us to forgive and let it go. You know, let it go and let God heal us. Are you holding on forgiveness against anyone? You know, in your heart, are you, are you holding on to hurt, pain from the past that someone has done against you? You need to let it go. You need to let it go now. Heavenly Father, we receive grace to let go of every unforgiveness, every hurt, every anger, bitterness, and pain in our hearts, Lord. We receive divine healing for the wrongs that have been done against us, for the hearts that are heavy, Father. We receive divine healing and we receive grace to continue to walk in peace, in joy, and in love. Father, we thank you because you continue to heal us. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Good morning, everyone, and do have a nice day.